Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto the children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All right, song number 59 in the church hymnal. Song number 59.
thank you for your many blessings to us. Pray that you would help each one of us to uh, be more mindful of, of all that you've done for us and help us to to remem remember to be thankful and that that could um, affect how we go about our lives. Pray that you would just guide each one that has a part this evening. Pray that uh, we could honor you with what we what we sing and thoughts that are shared. Pray that it could be a blessing to us as well. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll read over the order of the service. Um, Mel's family and Sonny's family will be singing. And then Merle will have a time after that. And then Leon looks like we'll have a story and then Wendy has a group that will sing and then Robbie will be leading in some congregational songs um, we'll see how much time we have and then at the end you can be thinking do you have a Thanksgiving testimony or a prayer thanks thankful prayer that you would like to to share with us so you can be thinking about that. Um, so I'll turn the time over to Mel's and Sonny's. I'm not sure if they are combined together or if they are independent groups. <laughs> This is my father's world. Oh. 
Good evening, everyone. <clears throat> Leon asked me to uh, have some comments on the song, Count Your Blessings. 
uh, which is found in Life Songs number 239. I was, uh, I was a little amused at the timing, <laughs> uh, not the timing of the song, but the timing of the request. Uh, Leon asked me this just before our weekend about music in it seems like uh, Leon likes gospel songs. <laughs> I do think this is a good gospel song. Um, you, you certainly can't miss the point in the song. I, if I counted right, it says count your blessings 20 times in this song. Now, I wondered if, uh, if John D. would think that might have been overkill. <laughs> uh, but certainly it would be the type of song you could sing once a year, I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> And maybe we need that many reminders. Um, you know, if you think about what the human tendency is, uh, if you have 50 blessings and you have one aggravating thorn in the flesh, um, what are you going to be thinking about? Probably the, probably the thorn in the flesh. And, um, but bef before we get too down on ourselves about that, I had to think of it this way. You know, if... Um, if I fall down here and, and break my leg, and um, probably the first, uh, it's probably not going to be the first thing I think about to, um, to thank God for, or be thankful for all the other bones in my body that aren't broken, that are still whole. Um, I can't remember how many it is. I remember Ms. Whitlow in biology class and William Campbell got a skeleton up front you know, hanging there, and sometime during that year we had to go up and we had to name all the, all the bones. I couldn't, couldn't do it now, but it uh, seemed like to me there's 200 and some. So, you know, that's a pretty good ratio. If you've got um, 200 things going for you and only one broken, uh, you know, you should be thankful, right? But um, it, there, is, there are times that you need to pay attention to. To the, to the broken things. <clears throat> well, I think what we'll do, we'll sing the first verse, and then I'll make a few comments on that, and then we'll sing the second one, and so on. 239 in the Life Songs. When upon my you are thinking about lice billows, and I was thinking it makes a, quite a big difference whether or not you're in the boat. Uh, there have been times when I've been real thankful to be upon lice billows, when I rather felt like I was up underneath somewhere, you know, blowing bubbles. And um, 
So there is something to be said about being upon them. But the verse does make a good point. Um, you know, if you get beat around by the waves so much, and um, even if you're in the boat, sometimes you get so tired and discouraged. It says, are you discouraged, thinking all is lost? And uh, if you feel hopeless in one area, you know, if it's bad enough, it can make your whole life seem hopeless. And you get to that point where you, you think all is lost. Well, that's, that's usually not true. Um, I think we need to take an inventory of the facts and try to leave the emotions out of it. And as the song says, it, it may just surprise us um, what the Lord, the Lord has done. Um, just something to pray about. Um, I was thinking about this feeling hopeless thing. There's a family we know in Charlottesville that uh, we learned to know them. Their son has a vision problem. And uh, they have a daughter, 17-year-old daughter, and um, she got started on trying to lose weight. And, and she lost weight and she lost more weight and, until she got down to about 100 pounds and their heart started acting up and they, she landed in the hospital. And um, now they're trying to force feed her, I mean, trying to make her eat so they don't have to put a tube down to feed her that way. And, and she's kind of like fighting every step. And, and basically, by the things she says, she's, she wants to die. She seems hopeless to her. And um, so you can pray for her. Her name is Olivia. Uh, very, very nice, smart, <clears throat> pretty girl. And um, that she can find truth in and I won't feel hopeless. <clears throat> All right, let's uh, sing the second verse. Are you ever burdened with the load of care? Does the cross seem heavy? It's similar to the first one, although I think I picture a little bit of difference. The first verse talked about those wild, raging billows. Uh, <clears throat> this talks about being burdened with the load of care. And I picture it as maybe this, this huge, maybe it's stationary. It's not wild and raging, but this, this huge load of care that's settled, settled down over you. And uh, with such a weight that you feel like you can't hardly breathe. Uh, some of you know what, what I'm talking about. And you get this, this um, certain dreadful feeling in your chest like it's, um, it's just weighing you down. So, 
Are, you gonna, are we going to count our blessings then? Um, yeah, I think we should. But I uh, will give you a hint. Um, probably the time, it's, it's not the best time, like, you see someone over here that's in that, that's in that condition. It's probably not the best timing for you to go and say, um, you know, count your blessings now. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> at least not unless, unless you've experienced that, that level of, of pain. It's probably not the best timing. It, it is true we need to, to count those blessings. <clears throat> now, the one little problem I have here is uh, the phrase, every doubt will fly. And uh, maybe it's just me that has the problem, but I thought about it that, you know, my doubts are uh, a little more like the ostrich. They're big and they don't fly. <laughs> but um, what I do is I sing anyway. And I think there's, uh, um, you know, kind of the picture you get is, you know, you're down and out, then you count your blessings, and then every doubt flies away, and you're just tra-la-la singing again. It hasn't worked, it hasn't worked that way for me. Maybe it, maybe it does for you. But uh, I try to sing anyway, even, even in those times. And uh, I happen to know that uh, you can cry and sing at the same time. And that, that's, pretty, that's pretty meaningful, too. <clears throat> Let's sing the third verse. When you look at others with their lives and gold, think that Christ has promised you is wealth untold. Count your many blessings, money cannot buy. Your lots of problems, but uh, thankfully I've never worried that much about other people's lands and gold. <laughs> um, that's one problem I seem to have been free of. Um, the real key, the beautiful phrase in, the, in this verse, I think, is counting the blessings that money cannot buy. And that's really something to think about. Because if you look around, compare yourself to others and what they have and what you don't, and you know all that sort of thing. Uh, you know, money money can't buy happiness. Money's good to have to a certain point. You know, we all need it, um, but it it can't buy happiness. Can't buy joy. Uh, when Mary and I got married, we had three hundred dollars to our name you know, when we pooled what we had. And I was happy, you'll have to ask her <laughs> if she was happy, I was. <clears throat> and, you know, I, you know, when I think back to the, the early days and back to now when we have some more, I don't see that much difference in, in the happiness. 
And so it, it's not, uh, money can't, can't buy it. And if you think of all the things, how, how many things in life that really matter have anything to do with money? Very, very, very few. I mean, I know if you were starving and you needed, you know, food and clothes, you know, that, that would, but most of us aren't at that, at that point. Uh, relationships, you know, your, your families and your friends, and can't buy that with money. Uh, even things as simple as the, the sunrise and the sunsets. Um, money can't do a thing for that. Um, I like to savor every sunrise and sunset that I see. And uh, some days, you know, I, I try to always look at the sky, you know, the blue sky and the clouds. And like Mel said, we haven't seen much of it. This evening it popped out a little. But it um, do doesn't cost a dime to enjoy those, those kind of blessings. Money can't buy health. I'm not sure you need money to go to the doctor and so on, but, uh, you know, when, it, when things get to a certain point, um, money is not going to... Money can't fix what can't be fixed. Uh, there's a truck driver that comes into the mill sometimes with logs, and the, I don't know what his real name is, but he, he uh, goes by Slick. And uh, he's an older black guy. He's always smiling, always congenial. I like to see him come. And um, he was telling me how uh, this outfit that he works for, they're, they're such skin flints, they don't pay him hardly anything. He said, ever since he started working for him, how many years ago, you know, he's been getting poorer and poorer the whole time. <laughs> and uh, all, the, all the while he's saying this, he's just smiling and uh, smiling away, you know. <laughs> and uh, one time he told me, he said, uh, He's running so tight that he didn't even have enough to feed the dog this past weekend. <laughs> and um, so I'll, I'll always tease him, you know, when he comes in. I'll say, well, it looks like you made it through the weekend. And he said, yeah, one of the last times. He said, yeah, but I had to go to church to find enough to eat to, to, to make it till Monday. <laughs> and, um, but anyway, he was saying that the, the patriarch of this, this outfit that he works for uh, the, the sons are running the business now. They're probably about my age, but uh, years ago it was the dad, and he's passed away now, but when he got sick with cancer, he went to the doctor. And they, these people are supposedly wealthy. They own, they own land, um, <clears throat> thousands of acres of land, by what I'm told. <clears throat> but the, uh, the old man was sick, <clears throat> and he went to the doctor and said, you know, Doc said, I'll, I'll give you a million dollars if you can help me live. And the doctor said, uh, you know, there's nothing I could do. Nothing I can do. Um, Slick, he said, he said, man, I'd have given him a pill or something. <laughs> uh, money can't buy a sense of humor either. And we haven't even talked about your reward in heaven or your home on high. We haven't, even, we haven't even scratched the surface on that. And uh, <clears throat> I've said it this way, uh, if, if by God's grace I make it in, which is the, you know, the, only, the only way I'm going to get there, um, uh, let's just say that there's probably going to be a commotion 
you know. Um, and if you want your peace and quiet, you might want to be on the other side of the city when I, when I get there, because uh, I like to think that uh, one of the main joys of heaven, there's going to be lots of joys, um, I think one of the joys is going to be being able to recount your blessings uh, with perfect understanding. And I have a feeling that we may count some things as blessings over there that right now we're saying, you know, that's maybe one of the worst things that ever happened to me. You know, and if, if we have a perfect understanding looking from the other side, we might see how that all worked together somehow for good, for us, for other people. And um, that's going to be a that's going to be a joy to to recount those those blessings when when we understand them much better than than we do today. I was going to um, here's a little uh, quote from uh, Matthew Henry. You know, wrote the big the big commentary, and um, <clears throat> Matthew Henry was robbed once, and the thief took his purse, took all the money he had, and uh, <clears throat> how, many th- how many blessings would you be able to, to find in that? Well, Matthew Henry found four, and uh, that was more than I would have thought of. Uh, the first thing was he was thankful that he had never been robbed before. This was the first time. The second one was that while the thief took his purse, they didn't take his life. Now, I think I would have thought of that one. The third one, though they took all he had, it wasn't much. (laughs) And the fourth one, he was thankful that he was the one robbed and not the robber. And uh, that was one I probably wouldn't have thought of. But that's, that's the kind of mindset we need that if you have a mindset like that, you can, you can find more blessings around than, than uh, you may think are out there. Okay, let's sing the last verse and I'll be done. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, God is point that I want to make with the story I'm going to read you in a moment is that there is a link between thanksgiving and generosity and between being grateful and giving. And I'm thinking of the couple of chapters in 2 Corinthians, chapters 8 and 9, 
where Paul, Paul writes about the, um, in writing to the Corinthians, he tells them about the churches of Macedonia. You're familiar with this, this account. And how they were uh, very, very poor, deep poverty, but they were joyful. They were, they were joyful. And they wanted, to, they wanted to give. They wanted to give to the point where uh, Paul was concerned about their recklessness in, in giving. And it is in these chapters that it tells us that they first, before they gave this gift, they gave themselves to the Lord. And it says that God loveth a cheerful giver. And all of this, I think, is in the context of the last uh, verse in uh, chapter 9, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. That these were Christian people there in Macedonia who were so grateful for the uh, gift of Jesus Christ and things that money cannot buy, that it just moved them to, to be generous. Or the story that I want to read here is one that I've read here to the congregation, but I think it's been years ago. I don't know how many years ago. Some of you may remember it. It's a true story. It happened in 1946, and um, the lady that wrote it, her name is Eddie. I think she may still be living. And when she first wrote the story, she wrote it as part of a letter to send out to uh, missionaries, I don't know where all, who maybe were in, uh, in uh, poor circumstances and had many trials and so on. Well, this is the story, the rich family in our church. I'll never forget Easter 1946. I was 14, my little sister Ossie 12, and my older sister Darlene 16. We lived at home with our mother, and the four of us knew what it was like to do without many things. My dad had died five years before, leaving mom with seven school children to raise and no money. By 1946, my older sisters were married and my brothers had left home. A month before Easter, the pastor of our church announced that a special Easter offering would be taken to help a poor family. He asked everyone to save and to give sacrificially. When we got home, we talked about what we could do. We decided to buy 50 pounds of potatoes and live on them for a month. That would allow us to save $20 of our grocery money for the offering. Then we thought that if we kept our electric lights turned out as much as possible and didn't listen to the radio, We'd save money on that month's electric bill. Darlene got as many house and yard cleaning jobs as possible, and both of us babysat for everyone we could. For 15 cents, we could buy enough cotton loops to make three potholders to sell for $1. We made $20 on potholders. That month was one of the best of our lives. Every day, we counted the money to see how much we had saved. At night, we'd sit in the dark and talk about how the poor family was going to enjoy having the money the church would give them. We had about 80 people in our church, so we figured that whatever amount of money we had to give, 
the offering would surely be 20 times that much. After all, every Sunday the pastor had reminded everyone to save for the sacrificial offering. The day before Easter, Ossie and I walked to the grocery store and got the manager to give us three crisp $20 bills and one $10 bill for all our change. We ran all the way home to show Mom and Darlene. We had never had so much money before. That night we were so excited we could hardly sleep. We didn't care that we wouldn't have new clothes for Easter. We had $70 for the sacrificial offering. We could hardly wait to get to church. On Sunday morning, rain was pouring. We didn't have an umbrella and the church was over a mile from our home. But it didn't seem to matter how wet we got. Darlene had cardboard in her shoes to fill the holes. The cardboard came apart and her feet got wet. But we sat in church happily, despite how we looked. I heard some teenagers talking about the Smith girls having on their old dresses. I looked at them in their new clothes, and I felt so rich. When the sacrificial offering was taken, we were sitting on the second row from the front. Mom put in the $10 bill, and each of us girls put in a $20 bill. As we walked home after church, we sang all the way. At lunch, Mom had a surprise for us. She had bought a dozen eggs, and we had boiled eggs with our fried potatoes. Late that afternoon, the minister drove up in his car. Mom went to the door and talked with him for a moment, and then came back with an envelope in her hand. We asked what it was, but she didn't say a word. She opened the envelope, and out fell a bunch of money. There were three crisp $20 bills, and one $10 bill, and 17 $1 bills. Mom put the money back in the envelope. We didn't talk, but instead just sat and stared at the floor. We had gone from feeling like millionaires to feeling like poor trash. Growing up, we children had such a happy life that we felt sorry for anyone who didn't have our mom and dad, for parents and a house full of brothers and sisters, and other children constantly visiting. We thought it was fun to share silverware and see whether we got the fork or the spoon that night. We had two knives that we passed around to whoever needed them. I knew we didn't have a lot of things that other people had, but I never thought we were poor. But that Easter day, I found out we were poor. The minister had brought us the money for the poor family, so we must be poor. I didn't like being poor. I looked at my dress and worn out shoes and felt so ashamed that I didn't want to go back to church. Everyone there probably already knew we were poor. I thought about school. I was in the ninth grade. I wondered if the students at school knew we were poor. I decided I could quit school since I had finished the eighth grade. That was all the law required at that time. We sat in silence for a long time. Then it got dark, and we went to bed. All that week, we girls went to school and came home, and no one talked much. Finally, on Saturday, Mom asked us what we wanted to do with the money. 
What did poor people do with money? We didn't know. We'd never known we were poor. We didn't want to go to church on Sunday, but Mom said we had to. Although it was a sunny day, we didn't talk on the way. Mom started to sing, but no one joined in, and she only sang one verse. That Sunday at church, we had a missionary speaker, and he talked about how churches in Africa made buildings out of sun-dried bricks, but they need money to buy roofs. And he said $100 would put a roof on a church. The minister said, can't we all sacrifice to help these poor people? We looked at each other and smiled for the first time in a week. Mom reached into her purse and pulled out the envelope. She passed it to Darlene. Darlene gave it to me, and I handed it to Ossie. And Ossie put it in the offering plate. When the offering was counted, the minister announced that it was a little over $100. The missionary was excited. He hadn't expected such a large offering from our small church. He said, you must have some rich people in this church. And suddenly it struck us, we had given $87 of that little over $100. We were the rich family in the church. Hadn't the missionary said so? Deep down, I knew that we actually were a rich family.
Okay, I think we have time for one congregational song yet. Let's turn to 579 in the church hymnal. Number Wow. 